It's the Euros Digest from Football Digest. I'm Ned Keating here to guide you through another busy day of action at Euro 2020. Joined this morning by Joe Chapman of the Birmingham Mail. Uh, obviously, all eyes are on Rome today as England take on Ukraine in the late quarter final. But of course, before all that, we should probably go through yesterday's action, Joe. Um, yeah, a couple of quarterfinals, the first two quarterfinals at Euro 2020. Uh, Belgium hitting in the late game. We'll come on to that in a moment. Uh, but Switzerland, again, Spain. Uh, Spain are through, uh, but by word, didn't they make hard work of it in the end, needing penalties against the 10 men of the Swiss to roll them out of the tournament? It's not been a, a particularly plain sailing campaign for Spain generally, really, it even, you know, set aside yesterday's game. I think the way that they went through uh, in the last 16, the way they kind of required a win in their last game in the, in the groups um, after a couple of draws, you know, we're so used to Spain kind of uh, passing their way to wins. Uh, in tournament football in the last 10, 15 years. So it's not kind of been vintage Spain, I don't think. But crucially, I suppose, is that they're kind of, they're there. They're, they, they still find ways. And this this idea that penalty shootouts are lottery, I don't really agree with. I think, you you know, you still have to go and do the business, don't you? And um, they've, they've managed to do that now on a couple of occasions. So it, it's... Uh, there's still a team at the back of your mind. You don't, like, you know, you're thinking further down the line is England... From an England perspective, you don't really want to be playing. I still think they've still got a hell of a lot of quality at the front end of the pitch. Um, and, as, you know, Morata, I think, has grown into the tournament. Uh, and again, you know, in a penalty shootout, one on, on a one-off, um, in a one-off occasion at Wembley, uh, resting on that and Spain have got that experience in the tournament already of, uh, of having come through one, then, you know, that kind of, I suppose, is another string to their bow. Do you think the Spain side of perhaps... Um you know, the reason why no one's probably talking them up is because when you compare them to that golden generation, you know, that we had of 10 years ago and the midfield and the star players littered with absolute star players, that when you compare these current lot, they're just nowhere near as good. But as you said, they're, they're somehow grinding out results, they're getting their way through and, and they're into a semi-final now. Yeah, I think at the start of the tournament, people, you had all point to England, France, Belgium. Uh, I think there was an acceptance that Portugal as the holders as a really attacking uh, a talented attacking unit were going to be there or thereabouts. I don't suppose you can ever rule the Germans out, but I think Spain and and Italy as well, actually, who um, who they'll play, uh, uh, the the two teams that have kind of almost gone under the radar of of the bigger of the bigger nations, the nations you expect to be in the mix. Uh, so maybe because they're both not, you know, as as I say, I don't think they're vintage Spain and vintage Italy in terms of the names that they've had in the, in the past, but. They've just got this knack. I think it's almost ingrained in the way that they kind of they're producers, footballers, how they seem to be able to um, adapt to the situation, how they seem to be able to cope with the pressure and the way they did it. You know, the, the way that the way that they eventually saw off Croatia and um, the way that they come through the groups almost for that five nil win. It was almost kind of like, well, there's no pressure on them. They're not winning games three four nil. No one's expecting a hell of a lot of them. So they kind of all of a sudden. They're there now. They're 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 in the uh, in the in the, in the semi-finals. And again, um, we'll come on to Italy in a moment. But again, they're not a team you particularly want to play now. You know, in a one-off game because they just feel like as the tournament's progressed, they've grown into it and they've been going to getting better and better in terms of their performances. That said, I thought Switzerland, um, were, as they did against France, I thought put up an, an enormous fight um, to even get to penalties with ten men. I thought was um, a, a really, really brilliant effort and 
you know, said to Switzerland, uh, supporters of Switzerland, before the, the tournament started, you're going to get to the quarters, having not France out. I think that's a good effort. Yeah, what was it? Not since 1938 or something ridiculous like that, wasn't the stat that uh, Switzerland hadn't won a, a, a knockout game at a major international tournament. Um, as you said, there's uh, something about Spain for me, I feel like there's almost uh, the way that they're kind of getting through games. They've only won one in 90 minutes so far. They've almost reminded me of Portugal from four years ago, just doing enough to get through, to get through. And there's, they're starting to almost be like almost an inevitable feel when you do start to kind of, you know, grind your way through games that, that, that obviously like... And, the thing that England are trying to achieve is, is being hard to beat. Um, but as you said, they're obviously Italy next up for them, coming through 2-1 winners against Belgium. But what a game that was. That's exactly what you wanted on a Friday night, isn't it? Two teams going absolute hammer and tong at it. You know, when you get to this stage of a tournament, you sometimes do get cagey matches. We might get a cagey match between England and, and Ukraine later today, and we'll come on to that later. But, but that game, they just absolutely both gave it their all on what a match that was. Uh, probably my most enjoyable game of the tournament so far, I think, in terms of quality. Okay, it wasn't 5-3 or 4-1 or any of the other results that we've had in the tournament. That are, I think it's been a really, really good tournament, actually, in general. But I thought in terms of the quality of the game, the way Italy started in the game, uh, just didn't give Belgium room to breathe. You know, the way they pressed high up the pitch, uh, as good a football team as Belgium are, they really struggled. And, of course, Italy could have been one up before they even went, one nil up, you know, so the first half was theirs, really. A uh, couple of fantastic goals, really, really good finishes. The one from uh, Insignia was was absolutely excellent. And if you're beating a goalkeeper like Courtois from there, then you know it's a very good strike. Uh, but Belgium, I, you know, I tipped Belgium to be the highest scoring team in the, in the competition before it started, just because I thought, you know, you look at the, the array of talents and I know it's not kind of panned out that way, but, you know, you look at the, the quality they've got at the front end of the pitch and, you can never really properly rule them out. And I know that there's been that, that axis of De Bruyne and, and Lukaku and the goals that they've produced between them um, throughout the course of the tournament. When you've got that quality, I know Hazard's not, not been firing and he hasn't been firing for a little while now, but when you've still got those those real genuine world-class players at the front end of the pitch, uh, albeit against an excellent, experienced Italian backline, you've still got to kind of not really rule them out. So when they scored that goal right before half-time, albeit a fairly soft penalty, I thought, but it wasn't going to be overturned by VAR. I, I thought we've got a serious game on. And even though there were no more goals in the game, I thought it was it was still a compelling watch in the second half. I, I didn't think they missed uh, Eden Hazard too much because I thought the performance of, of Jeremy Doku, um, you kind of wondered why they kept him hidden almost from the, from the rest of the tournament. He was sensational last night, despite ending up on the, on the losing side. But... Looking at that Belgium squad and the talent that they've got there, as you touched on already, but the age, crucially, of, of that talent, um, this was probably their last chance to, to win anything as a group. And for a nation as small as Belgium, there's always this talk about, you know, will they ever produce a generation as good as this again? This this might have been Belgium's one and only chance of, with this group of players and, and this era to, to win a major tournament. And it, it looks to have sadly passed them by. Yeah, uh, not for Doku, obviously. I think he's one of the kind of younger <laughs> players that coming through. I thought, he, as you say, I thought he was he was brilliant on the wing. Um, but yeah, you're, you're probably right. I mean, there are certain aspects of the squad that are still going to be there for another tournament or two, at least. Uh, not 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 least of all Lukaku and, and De Bruyne. And but yeah, it's certainly you look at the back line. You look at Vermaelen and Vertonghen and Alderweireld. There were already a couple of players that had already been moving on, really, in the last few years. Players like Fellaini, Morales, and uh, Musa Dembele, so they've kind of they've already they've already begun that transition. Really, they are already kind of um, I suppose kind of turning over. 
really a new leaf. But yeah, it feels like a little bit like that. Certainly from a defensive point of view, I don't see the same quality players coming through uh, as, as they had. And as I've just said, a few of the midfielders as well in the last five, six years of, who, have, um, who have kind of ended up being moved on or retired. A little bit like Croatia, I think, really. You know, it just feels like the end of a, of, of a cycle. And the challenge there, as you've said, for Belgium is to kind of come again. It's not as easy when you're a country the size that they are and they've kind of stumbled across this this generation of players who have all been outstanding talents who we all know as football fans in England who have you know, been Premier League uh, stalwarts in the last 10 years. And uh, whereas teams like Spain and Germany uh, and to a lesser extent England really have managed to kind of still... Uh, churn out these these kind of generations. This is as exciting a generation as we've seen for England for a while. There is that there is that challenge now for Belgium to kind of uh, to produce the same. A, a little bit like Holland as well, I think. Um, with Italy, uh, as, as as we've said already, going through to the semi-finals against Spain, uh, but they'll do they uh, do so without? Uh, what is it Leonardo Spinazzola? I always think he's Lorenzo for some reason. That's not a good idea for his journalists to get names wrong, is it? Uh, but Spinazzola has been been a key man for them throughout the Euros, um, and, and it looks like he's not going to play any further part of than his his hamstring bob looks a bit last night and was in absolute tears. Um, that's that's going to be a big big hole for the Italians to spill, uh, fill, especially with Emerson of, of Chelsea not playing much for his club this season, being a man lined up to uh, to fill that position. Yeah, you could tell immediately it wasn't good, wasn't it, when he, when he went down and uh, as you say, he was he was in tears and the way he was stretched off, it, it doesn't look good. I think he knew there, a little bit like De Bruyne in the uh, Champions League final, you know, those tears kind of mean more than, he's not. it's not pain, it's, it's more he knows what it means for the longer term. So yeah, he's been excellent. He's been a really, really good this tournament. I've really, really enjoyed watching Spinozola. Uh, and as you say, I think Emerson... Somebody, you, you kind of almost have to be reminded he's still a Chelsea player. Um, so you know, the thing with Italy is it's just it's just collective for them. It's a unit for me. I think that they're so um, they just seem to be so tight knit that one comes in, albeit maybe not of the same quality, uh, but you kind of back them to kind of almost pull themselves through. Whereas with France, for example, you could tell they were kind of a team of individuals by the end of it, um, or, or certainly not even individuals, but certainly kind of they were. There were um, there were cliques in, in the in the dressing room, uh, so Italy just seemed to be all on the same team sheet, really. Uh, and, and again, you know, okay, yeah, of course, you're still missing that quality, and any player, any any key player in, in in any given team will miss their best players, but there's still a lot of quality left in that Italian side. Uh, one last question, uh, Joe, before we get on to uh, England versus Ukraine. Uh, the early game today sees Denmark take on the Czech Republic uh, out in Baku. Um, it's probably a battle between everyone's favourite team uh, in Denmark and, and one of the real surprise packages of this tournament in the Czech Republic. Yes, they lost to England, but they took points off Croatia and, and crucially in the last round, they uh, they beat the Dutch as well. Yeah, well, with the, with the Danes, I think, uh, yeah, OK, there is a bit of a narrative there after the first game and, and what happened. And the idea that they might be powered by that. Actually, I just think they've, they've been really, really. Yeah, of course, they're going to be inspired or, or, or whatever you want to, whichever way you want to put it. But actually, I just think that their quality has shown as well. Actually, yeah, great spine in that team. Completely agree. Yes, yeah, so it just you know people thinking well, it's a bit of a kind of um, you know it, 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 it's it, yeah, it is a little bit of a fairy tale, kind of romantic kind of idea that you know they would they would. Um, respond in such a way after such a, an awful set of circumstances in which they started the competition. But uh, even so, the, you know, the way they dismantled Wales, a decent Wales team, 
um, the way that they, you know, progressed from their from their group. They'll really fancy themselves, I think, this this afternoon, this evening uh, against the Czechs. Denmark in a one-off game in the semi-finals. Uh, uh, yeah, you'd rather play the Czechs again, wouldn't you? You'd rather play the Czechs at Wembley, knowing from an England perspective that having beaten them already, and again, they're quite a tough side. That they're, they're a side that are difficult to play against. That are, I suppose, just awkward as an opposition. And and the Dutch the Dutch found that out. Uh, so. It ought to be actually quite an interesting game. I don't think it'll probably have quite as much of quality on show that as Italy and Belgium, perhaps, in terms of individual quality, but also equally, there's so much on the line. Denmark, the likes of Denmark and Czech Republic don't get rang to a, a major tournament semi-final too often, so there's so much on the line for both of them. I imagine it'll be perhaps quite cagey to start with, but also, you know, this it, it should be a really, really fascinating watch. The day's uh, late game sees England take on Ukraine, as we've touched on uh, already. Um, although if you listen to some sections, perhaps the, the, the English public and the, the English press this week, this game has no bearing. England are already in a final, aren't they? Um, but it's, it's going to be a tough game for England today. Um, you know, not as much might be known about the Ukrainians to, to the wider public as, as, say, the Germans were. Um, but, Joe, we're both aware this is still going to be a very difficult game. You know, the Germans, uh, the, the Ukrainians still very good technically they're still very sound and they're going to be in your face they're going to be very physical as well you know almost sounds stereotypical there but they are going to give you a battle you're going, you're going to know that you were in a fight by the end of the game today yeah just like the just like the Czech Republic I think uh, in the last round I think a lot of people probably expected Sweden to, to progress and you know the way they kind of they were they started that game the Ukrainians I thought exactly the same really really tough to play against um, got themselves in front and you know, again, at this stage of the competition, are you really taking anybody lightly? Really, I mean, the quarterfinals of the of the Euros. I think from that very first game, actually, I watched uh, against the Dutch. I think was for a lot of people was probably their favourite game of the, of the early stages of the tournament. Uh, there a couple of wonderful goals that they scored in that game, and okay, defensively they 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 showed signs of weakness. They showed signs that they could be um, punished, but. Uh, I still think, as you say, everything you've said, you can't take anything granted. Forget this idea that England are already at Wembley in the final. Forget it. They've got two games. They don't even know they're going to be playing the semis. So uh, before even that, they've got to win tonight. And I would take happily take uh, their manner of victory in the same way that they've done it all, all tournament so far. It doesn't need to be anything other than a 1-0 Raheem Sterling winner, if you like, really, the way it's been kind of all tournament. Um that will be more than enough for me because Ukraine are going to be. It, it, it is there is a little bit of pressure perhaps off the Ukrainians in the respect that England big big favourites in the game, but they'll they'll have their own game plan. They'll be there to to upset the the flow of England's players, and it's a different challenge, isn't it? Because I think England rose to the challenge of Germany. I think they enjoyed the challenge um, of perhaps having less of the ball and being that counter attacking team. Now they're going to be the ones that have to come out and uh, and break Ukraine down. 
It's going to be a weird situation as well out in Rome. Uh, not many English fans. I think only uh, English fans who live on the continent uh, are going to be allowed into the ground. Um, there's going to be probably far more Ukrainian fans in the stadium uh, tonight than there is English fans. So that's going to be a complete role reversal and, and a complete different scenario to what the players have been used to so far. Obviously, uh, with the vast majority of the support uh, at every game at Wembley so far being behind the English. Um, how, how do you think this is likely to affect the players and, and their mindset and the way that they might approach the game? Because they don't have, you know, as cliched as it sounds, they don't have that 12th man behind them tonight. No, they don't. But I, I suppose... They're still, all, they're all very, they're, a lot of them are very young players, but a lot of them are still very, very experienced on the big stage already. If you look at through the England team and you've got international players throughout, uh, sorry, you've got players who have played in European competitions for their clubs throughout the team. Um, you've got a lot of players also who have not played a lot of international football who probably, okay, there's a bit of a weight of expectation, but they should be able to kind of play without a little bit, of, without that pressure really, especially away from Wembley for, for an evening. You kind of almost well. We'll treat this like a, a kind of like a Champions League night, and, and you're playing away from home, and you haven't got thirty, forty, fifty thousand fans behind you. So, I wouldn't say it's going to work in their favour. I think Wembley's been a huge, huge help, um, and it, there's a carrot there for them to continue that run at Wembley in the next couple of rounds if they can get through against Ukraine. So, um, that in itself would hopefully be enough. I think really you've just got to treat it as as normally as you can, uh, and and you. I'll throw another cliche back at you. It's kind of like playing the game and not the occasion, isn't it? You've got to just go out there. It's neutral as well. We're not going to Kiev. It's not like we've got, you know, a, a, a huge, huge home support that are going to be um, behind the Ukrainians. Not in the same way as if we were playing in their backyard. So, you know, it's it's a level playing field and we've just got to go and be as professional as possible. Uh you're actually probably the, the perfect person really to talk about Jack Grealish, um, given the comments that he, he said earlier in the tournament. Um, you're not a Villa fan. You're not a Villa supporter. Uh, you cover West Brom for the Birmingham Mail and, and obviously support the Baggies as well. Um, but Grealish has spoken about how fans of other clubs who'd normally hate him, normally boo him, uh, seem to have fallen in love with him. Joe, I think you're probably going to fall into that category. You, you probably, like the rest of the country, uh, have become mad for Jack. Um, and, he, and he's been... Brilliant for England so far, coming off the bench. Um, for you, has he done enough to earn a start? I mean, it doesn't, by the sounds of the noises coming out of Rome overnight, it doesn't look like he has earned a start. So do you feel he, he may be a bit unfortunate in that respect or does Southgate respect what he's doing off the bench too much? The way that he's changing games, unlocking defences that that look like they needed breaking down earlier in matches. Uh, I understand the clamour, of course. You know, Grealish has been excellent when he's when he's come off the bench for England in, in this tournament and has changed games. You know, you can't look past the two goals that he played a part in against Germany. Uh, equally, I would respect uh, and admire the, the kind of the fact that Southgate hasn't been swayed by all this uh, and he's kind of done what he had intended to do from the off and that's utilised Grealish in such a way that He's happy. He's been able to have that impact from 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 uh, from the bench late on in games. It's a different challenge, obviously, with Ukraine because we are going to be expected to kind of be the team. I would imagine from the off that breaks breaks them down early doors. Uh, so, do you change it up in that respect? I think there would be one change I would make tonight would be probably to bring Mason Mount back in for one of the one of the the, the defenders and go go to a back four probably for Kieran Trippier and go to a, a regular back four and bring uh, an extra midfielder in. But, oh, I mean, yeah, you can't ignore what Grealish has done. Uh, you know, he's been somebody that 
I can understand what he means when he says that because I think certainly when there's a major tournament in the summer, an international tournament, I think that fans of clubs, generally speaking, do kind of unite, don't they? And and will get behind players who play for rival clubs or, or you know, the clubs are, are for who, who who they don't support. So I think that's kind of a bit commonplace. I know that Grealish is somebody that can get under the skin of opposing fans, but. Um, yeah, he's done. He's done. A, he's done a marvelous job when when he's when he's been asked to to play this this uh, this tournament. And I think also equally, I take what Southgate has said as well. It's been tough to break that front three down. Really, I know Saka's come in and ahead of him, but he's been very very good. And Sterling, how could you drop him at the moment? So yeah, it's difficult. It seems to work at the moment. I would back Southgate to make the right calls because he's he's got England to the quarterfinal so far without too many hitches. The, the news overnight uh, appears to be that uh, that Southgate is going back to a back four. Um, Mason Mount is back in. Uh, Bukayo Saka might miss out. So, therefore, there's a suggestion that uh, Jadon Sancho, um, England's forgotten man almost in this tournament, doesn't seem to be trusted too much by Southgate. Um, but understand that uh, Jadon Sancho is set to start in Rome tonight. So, obviously, that's the attacking uh, suggestion that the attacking look that you wanted from this team. Um, and that's what they're going to have to do. You know, Ukraine are probably going to sit back like the Czechs did in the group stages, like Scotland did, like Croatia did. And parts, I know, I know they did come forward at times. Mm. Um, so it's, it's going to be a return to that situation for England, isn't it? They, they're going to have to, they're going to have a lot of the ball and it's going to be a case of kind of, can you find the right pass, the right move to get in behind this Ukrainian defence and get that, you know, she said that it could only be one goal. It only needs to be one goal. Yeah, yeah, only win only by one goal. I think Sancho's an interesting one. He's, I suppose, there's been as much clamour for Sancho as as for Grealish or or for Foden at this moment in time to to be given an opportunity from the off. So he makes sense as of somebody who comes in and plays on the right hand side of of the front three. That that makes perfect sense. He ticks that box. It, it's what he'll be doing for Manchester United next season. It's what he's been doing for Borussia Dortmund for the last couple of years. So um, it, it's somebody that I think really is. Uh, not an unknown quantity. He's played. He's played for England a fair amount. But in terms of you know competitive football, this is a really, really big opportunity for him. And I think I think they're right. You know, you watch Harry Kane in the last however many matches for England, and what he does for Spurs as well. We know that he likes to drop deeper. Um, sometimes it's almost frustrating to see him on the halfway line. But the important thing is that when he is kind of in that almost quarterback role himself, that there are players going beyond him, and especially against the team that are going to probably sit a little bit deeper than than Germany or, or any other team we've played so far in the competition. But it's really, really important that there are players that can go behind that defence um, and go beyond Kane. And they're going to need pace for that and to, to stretch that defence. That's something that Sancho and Sterling have. So I can understand the thinking there and I can understand why Mason Mount will be back in as well. Uh, in terms of Ukraine, we touched on it already about the fact that not much is known about them in this country as, as Germany, obviously. Um you know, there, there are a couple of players in that squad that English fans are, you know, accustomed to. Uh, Andre Yamalenko, West Ham, Alexander Sinchenko of, of Manchester City. So obviously they're two uh, key men, two danger men for them. And we're going to put you in a rather awkward position here and ask you to, uh, to to try and compile a scouting report on the rest of the Ukrainians and what you've probably seen of them so far at this tournament. Um, the silence. Well, that's 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 the first game. The first game. <laughs> No, no. Um, you had the uh, the, the centre forward, was it Yaron Chuk who scored? Yes, yeah, Yaron Chuk. The, the, the header against Holland. So he's so he's a serious um, presence up front in terms of what 
Stones and Harry Maguire are going to have to deal with. I think he's kind of like their outlet. So um, in an attacking sense, I think what's been really, really impressed me about Ukraine with um, Zinchenko especially is that he is kind of one of many at Manchester City, isn't he? The way the way he's kind of uh, he's, he's utilised by Guardiola, he can be in the starting eleven one week and drop the next. Whereas, what as we've seen with a number of players who go into the international, a bit like a bit like Bale, I suppose, with Wales, they really, really kind of take this mat on and, and and run with it as being one of the real kind of um, outstanding talents. And Yarmolenko is quite similar, um, a little bit like his his old teammate Arnautovic who does it with Austria as well. And, and, you know, you look at those players, those kind of countries that have got one or two really, really genuinely top quality players in their team that they look to. Uh, when you're playing at that level domestically, you then tend to kind of, I suppose, really um, thrive off that expectation, thrive off that pressure and that, um, that, that, that you, you are, you end up becoming that kind of reliable player, um, a reliable individual on, on the big stage. So, yeah, I think they have got. They are more than the sum of their. They're collectively they're more than the sum of their parts, aren't they? Um, I think so. I think England probably have already come up against bigger challenges. I suppose if they were to come up, if they were to see off Ukraine tonight, they'd probably come up against bigger challenges to come. But you still got to beat what's in front of you. Um, and as I said before, already tonight, I think I'd take a one 0 win. That's a lovely way to leave it. Don't even have to ask you for your prediction there. We've gone for a 1 0 uh, by the sounds of it. Uh, but Joe, thanks so much uh, for joining us this morning. Uh, and we'll be back again tomorrow to digest all of the action from another busy day at Euro 2020.